Hello, ladies and gentlemen, to the very first Destination Destiny podcast. I'm your co-host, Nico Di Maria, and I'm joined today by Nick Harrington. Hey, Nick. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad, thank you. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Good to be here. Awesome. Also joining us today is our guest, James Brandt. Hey, Nico, you right? All good, thank you. How are you, you feeling? Yeah, not yeah. bad, thank you, mate. Perfect. So, guys, today we're going to be discussing the latest news around Destiny and Destiny 2. We're going to have a few choice discussion points, and we're also going to be taking some questions from social media. To start us off today, let's go over the news, guys. So, the latest news that we have from Activision, they announced last week on an earnings call that Destiny 2 will have a continuous calendar of events. Nick, did you hear about this? Yeah, so I'm glad to hear about it, because obviously there's a... With Destiny 1, there was definitely a lot of gaps in play. I mean, you know, I dropped out a few times to come back again. Um, yeah. I just feel like with Destiny 2, they need to keep this rolling. I don't think you know, they can have another game where there's like, such a drought in between content. And to be honest, the content that did come was a bit thin on its own anyway. Um, there was some nice stuff, but yeah, it's definitely something they need to improve on for Destiny 2. I think, uh, James, you were a year one player as well, weren't you? So you would have felt that as much as Nick would have. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was really uneven in terms of the quality and quantity of content. So, obviously, was it Dark Below had a raid in it, but House of Wolves only introduced trials. Um, and then, yeah, the, the fact that there was an uneven spacing between a lot of the content just meant that the kind of player base kind of thinned out and then people kind of picked it back up i i certainly did for about six months um in year one there's always been that rumor around the, the house of wolves not having a raid that the wrath of the machine was meant to be that you know what i mean i, I don't know if that's something oh, okay. that or not but it, it feels like i mean it is fallen isn't it and kind of a lot of the stuff i mean if you look at the perks on the guns you got in house of wolves there was a lot of shank stuff on there hmm. And then you look at the Wrath of the Machine and then think, oh, God, there was, there's so many shanks in that raid. Uh, was, were they meant for that originally? But you, I guess you don't know in the end. Yeah, that, that's no, that's interesting. a very interesting yeah. point. It's not something I'd personally ever heard of before. Um, but I am, as, as you both know, I'm a year two player, so I came into the game late. Um, so I didn't maybe feel that, that drought as much as, as much as you guys. And for me, um, I hadn't even tried Crota's End or Vault of Glass until much later. Um, coming into even Rise of Iron because by the time I got involved, they were outdated. They were, you know, uh, they weren't at the relevant light level anymore. So I think for myself, it, it wasn't so mu- so much of a a bad period because I came in with a lot of content to get through to begin with. And before I'd even hit, I think it was three twenty light when I joined. Um, before I'd even hit three twenty light, the cap was upped to three. What was it up to? 350 in the April update? Or 335, that's it. Yeah, 335, thanks. And then eventually up to 380 and then to uh, to 400. So if I you am, came in... Yep, yeah, go on. Sorry, I, I think that having having a roadmap on release will make a big difference. The, the problem was that I don't think that was necessarily the case with Destiny. I think they'd announced... They kind of announced the... the the, the DLC packs as they were ready rather than saying in three months there'll be this content drop in another three months like we already know the first two expansions of Destiny 2 as part of the pre-order yeah. um, option so I just think people will be patient 
if they know it's coming? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that's definitely going to be the case. I think having a, like you said, a roadmap is definitely going to be useful. Um, and I think especially for those who experienced the drought in year one, they're going to appreciate it so much more than maybe people who came into Destiny later yeah. too. Um, moving on to the next piece of news, and I think this one is going to be more relevant to Nick than perhaps you and I, James, but Destiny 2 is going to have meaningful, bespoke PC features. Now, Nick, what do you actually think that means? Well, it could be anything, really, just some kind of chat or, I don't know, some kind of... Um... Maybe even like the World of Warcraft style where you're kind of moving your user interface around. I don't know. There's kind of like a lot of things. I mean, hopefully it'll be 60 FPS for stars. Um, I hope that's one of the features that's going to be a... Well, you plan to get it on PC, don't you? I do more out of kind of curiosity than anything else. Like, I know most games, they run with exceptions. They run better and look better and... um, the only thing that puts me off PC is mouse and keyboards because I'm not really very good with those. But I am, I'm looking forward to seeing what it's going to be like and, and yeah. if they're going to say the meaningful stuff for it. Um, I suppose they have to be a little bit careful, um, not upsetting console users too much, well, but yeah. that's the case with um, all games, really. It goes goes across most, doesn't it? Yeah, well, James, I was going to ask you what... What would you not want to see as a bespoke PC feature? You know, what would you what would you be upset about seeing if perhaps uh, it was on PC and not on on a console? Um, it depends whether the content was kind of in game, like exotic exclusivity, or anything like it currently works with PlayStation and Xbox. Um, but just more generally, um, I think the the fact that Destiny Two will have a PC release is generally a a big positive because it will increase the player base massively. Um, the game will get much more kind of exposure and popularity as a result. Um, and we'll probably discuss maybe a little bit later, but I, I don't know whether... I think with some, some games have already kind of... You can kind of share servers between... Um, PC and, and console environments. I'm not sure how that would necessarily work in practice, but I think it would be quite cool if, um, you know, the the player base was just on a kind of shared, so you could play with PC players and and and, and do things like that. It'd be so cool to be able to do that, like take your players from console and hop on the PC and, and carry on with the progression. Um, I'm I'm not sure that's going to happen, but that would be so cool. Well. One point someone uh, I've seen made is that, you know, potentially there is a skill gap between PC players and console players. So if you were to play against PC players, you could be at a disadvantage. Is that something that either of you see as a concern if that was to be implemented? Yeah, d- definitely. Yeah, top top tier PC players would have an advantage skill-wise in my opinion against top tier console players but then equally you've got um you know if someone's got like a five thousand pound gaming pc that's kind of top end they will be getting admittedly like a minuscule advantage but they'll be getting an advantage in terms of like frame rate and refresh rate and things like that like i, I think yeah. that's like a slight quantifiable advantage that they'll have 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think crossplay is going to be a thing like that. There's, there seems to be a lot of hurdles involved with that as well. Um, yeah. As I say, maybe just the character having like an account that you can take places, but not necessarily play, not necessarily be on PC and play PS4 or Xbox. Sure. Players, but just take sure. your account with you. If you get what I mean. Yeah, that I that I think would be a a good idea and something I'd like to see personally as well. Being able to cross over and use your character wherever you may be, as opposed to you know, say, and and we've all been there, you know, playing trials, coming up against top top tier play, um, you know, PlayStation or Xbox players and getting absolutely crushed. I wouldn't want to put myself in a situation where I come across <laughs> top tier PC players because I would feel even worse about myself. Um, but moving on, let's let's move on to the next piece of news and the last piece of news that we're going to cover today. Um, again, another another point made during the Activision's uh, earning call, which is that post-release content is going to be co-developed by um, Vicarious Visions. I think I said that right. I may have said that wrong, but fingers crossed. Uh, to ensure a steady stream of content. So this is tying in with the first piece of news about the continuous calendar of events. But are you guys surprised that Bungie are you know co-developing with, with another studio um or is this something you feel was needed uh nick let's start with you um i think it's good news it shows that they're taking it seriously that they want they want content to come and come often so you know they can get as many people involved as they like i think that's great news i think that's going to be good, good for the game and the community james what about you what do you think um yeah i, I agree with nick um i think one of the problems that bungie had especially kind of post Rise of Iron when it was obvious that they were starting to work on Destiny 2 is they really struggled to manage their resources to keep the live environment of of Destiny 1 interesting um, with kind of regular updates but then obviously having developers and and software programmers working on the sequel at the same time Um, does anyone know? I mean, I I've never heard of that studio before. Have they? I mean, is there anything they've worked on that's particularly noticeable? Or Skylanders, I think, is what they come from. Oh, what then, the um, like the toy based gate or toy type? I mean, don't don't quote me on that, but I think. I think All right. That's okay. Um. Yeah, I think I did hear that as well. I mean, I'm having a quick look, um, at at some of the stuff that they've done. And the most recent stuff, yes, Skylanders. Um, they've actually they're doing um, the Crash Bandicoot Insane trilogy as well. Um, what else? They did Guitar Hero. So they, they've got they've got some big games under their under their belt. Um, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Uh, what have we else? Tony Hawk. So they had a, a few Tony Hawk games as well. So they have got quite a lot under their belt. And then obviously the most recent game, Destiny Two. So. It, it doesn't seem like, you know, I mean, we, I, I agree. I'm with you, James. I've not heard of them before personally. Um, but it's, I'm not a big Skylanders fan. Uh, I am a big guitar hero guy, but I also have to admit that seven years ago, I maybe wasn't as up to scratch with developers as I am now. So that might make a bit more sense as to why I hadn't heard of them, but it looks like they do have some, some big games under their belt. So, um, I, I, I guess in the point you're trying to make is, you know what what had they done before in terms of you know can we trust them with this game almost yeah that's what i was just trying to get an understanding of and i'm I'm just looking at their game history now and it just seems a little bit kind of 
I mean, Skylanders might be a great game, but my kind of opinion of that is clouded by the fact that it's kind of it's kind of targeted at younger kids, but there's also a like a tie-in of buying toys to unlock characters and things. But that's kind of irrelevant sure. in this discussion. That's what I've seen as well. There was quite interesting comment that come from the guy. He said um, basically something like, "They're here at Activision to help us make sure that we have um, one great piece of content right after another to keep the community engaged." Uh, that to me sounds like microtransactions said in a, in a different kind of way like and that comes from the Skylander thing as well um, I guess maybe that's what they're kind of influenced in they want that kind of they want the content to keep coming but they want the microtransactions still to help fund that content like they did earlier in the year yeah potentially potentially I, I mean personally from what I take from this is, is more so that I don't think what um, Vicarious Visions have done in the past is going to influence anything that's happening right now. I think that they're essentially being brought in just, you know, as help, you know, to to co-develop. But I do think it's Bungie in 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 the in the you know in the leading seat here. Obviously, this is their game, um, so I think it's going to be more a case of the ideas coming from Bungie and then uh, Vicarious Visions helping to put those ideas into a uh, physical or digital state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's the news. That's, that's all we're going to cover for that. Um, we're going to have a couple of discussion points. Now we're going to start off with iron banner, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, this is currently iron banners is going on at the moment. And the mode for the first time is mayhem clash which is exciting a lot of people and is uh, infuriating a lot of people, depending on your opinions of Mayhem Clash. Uh, James, you've not had a chance to get in yet, have you? So um, what what are your thoughts on it as someone who you, you've not actually tried it yet? Um, I think having a different game mode in the playlist is, is always good. Um, I don't think anything can be worse than Rift Iron Banner. Uh, it's a bad <laughs> Um, I'll I'll probably give it a go over the weekend, but at this point in the game's life cycle, I'm not kind of super interested in in kind of playing for for kind of loot drops and and, and bounties and things. Um, but it, it it should be fun. Um, I've I've seen some quite cool videos of like um six Titan Defender Titans just throwing bubbles all over the place and that looks really fun or six golden guns just sniping people from across the map so there's there's, there's potential to have fun which is a good thing um, depending on which team you're on <laughs> yeah yeah if you're getting mercyed within the first like two minutes then you're probably not having a fun but I mean that's essentially what Mayhem Clash is isn't it it's basically it, they brought the mode in just to have a laugh basically it's, it's not be any kind of serious kind of a way to let off some steam and I mean it's, it says it instead of it's mayhem isn't it it's just crazy yeah well we were playing last night Nick um, you myself uh, uh, you know a couple of other guardians that we play with David and Matt um, what did you think of the mode yesterday when we were playing well it was great yesterday because we were winning everything <laughs> but uh, no so I, to be honest I was worried going into it I, I didn't really like the idea of it but Having played it, you, know, you, you just got to say, well, it is what it is, and it's just a laugh. I, mean, I quite enjoy it. Yeah, um, I personally was quite excited for it. Um, I 
I've always really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's an easy way to get your bounties done quickly because there's so much happening. You know, there's constantly heavy, there's constantly special ammo. You're constantly getting your super. So ability kills are being done quickly. Uh, the weapon kills are being done quickly. It's, you know, the only potential bounties that you're going to do at a regular rate are the winning your matches. Um, because, you know, that's obviously you don't win more than one at once. So personally, yeah, I was excited for it. I had a lot of fun last night playing with you guys again. We were winning all the time. So yeah, it was more fun. Um, having said that, if it's anything but trials, I don't mind too much if I win or lose. I think it's a, it's a good mode. It's a good time for it. It's, it's like a perfect time for a mode like that just before like a release of like new gameplay and a new game coming out in a few months. So I think that kind of mode around this time is pretty good timing, in fairness. Yeah. And the loot, the loot drops have been very generous as well. So if you're uh, just getting into Destiny or you, if you're just coming back into Destiny, um, you know, your progression to 400 is made a lot easier uh, mm. by multiple different things. But especially in Iron Banner at the moment, we had a guy, I think he had five drops in a row. So, you know, constantly... Uh, getting getting stuff. I wasn't as lucky, but the potential is there to get lots and lots of loot from this mode, which um, you know. And and then on top of that, you're getting loot from the bounty as well. So a lot of a lot of stuff to get there if you're at a different stage of the game than maybe the three of us. But yeah, um, okay. So that's Iron Banner. This is the last Iron Banner before Destiny Two is announced. So that is you know big in itself. It's not going to be the last Iron Banner ever. But I think after this this one, we're, we're going to be more interested in what we're going to see next week. So speaking of that, we're, before we sort of talk about the event itself and what we expect to see, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what we want to see. So we've got a couple of topics here. The first one we're going to go over is what would we like to see most improved in Destiny 2 that we currently are frustrated with or, or like, but we, we want to see improved in Destiny 1. Uh, James, let's start off with you. Um, so my kind of top two choices for this would be more kind of technical than, than kind of gameplay related, but I, I hope we see 60 frames per second. Um, and I hope that's a kind of consequence of dropping kind of last-gen consoles. Um, I also really hope that they invest in dedicated servers um, just because I feel like the game... If you look at the player base now, there's still a massive population considering how old the game is and how infrequent the content drops have been. Um, so it just seems really disappointing that they haven't invested in their infrastructure because there are so many I don't think the netcode is great anyway but kind of the, the melee hit registration um, kill trades getting shot round corners mm. um, I think yeah. it all just kind of has an overall negative effect on your kind of enjoyment in PvP anyway and, and also lag affects uh, PvE content as well yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Nick, what, what 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 would you like to see improved? You know, is it does it sort of line up with what James was just talking about? Or is it you got something different in mind? 
No, pretty much the same, really. I think it's really important that we get some decent kind of connection fixes in there. Um, cause it's, it's almost laughable now, really, isn't it? Like, I think everyone just joke about it because you know you're going to get shot behind a wall or you know a crow is going to run into the room and do something stupid. It's just like a, so much goes wrong with that game when the connection's not quite right. Yeah. But... Every time something buggy happens, we just whisper, destiny. Exactly, that's what it is. But obviously there's lots of stuff they can improve the gameplay. Um, balancing seems to be an issue. Like, I know it's difficult when they're all constantly releasing new stuff, um, but the amount of times where they released something and then they pulled it um, to add something that was twice as worse. I mean, we, we always talk about the special ammo and, and bringing icebreaker back. I mean... Yeah, it's like fixing one thing and then breaking it again in the same swoop. It's just crazy. So I just I'd want balancing to kind of be there or thereabouts, um, at least something a bit more solid than it has been. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think for myself, uh, again, uh, uh, like you guys, it is technical stuff. I think you know from a gameplay point of view that is actually, uh, you, you know, that's I think that's the reason we all stick with the game. Technically, um, there's a few things that drive me crazy. Whether this is the console limitation, which I, I doubt, um, or, or if it's the game, it, load times on menus. Uh, when you're mid-game and you need to, whether it's a raid and you need to pop a heavy synth, or whether you're in a PvP situation and you want to swap your weapons um, quickly on the fly, you just can't do it in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, everything takes forever to load. And it it really it genuinely drives me crazy. I I am it, it it really grinds my gears how long it takes me just to change a weapon or to pop a synth. But they need to do that, the directional pads because like, we don't. Need well, that was one of my next points. Absolutely. Yeah. Like put put your heavy ammo on that, or at least give us the ability to be able to do that ourselves, kind of thing, and just add stuff to it. Yeah. Like I don't care about sitting down. Let me press down to pop a heavy synth. That works for me. But but do do you, do you not think um, that it could be a design choice. There needs there needs to be a penalty for you using a heavy ammo synth. Do you not think that that is a conscious design choice because you're you're resynthing, so you need to be taken out of the game yeah. to be vulnerable. So it's like a risk reward situation. If you just map it to uh, like a, a D-pad shortcut, then you can kind of do it on the fly. And there's no kind of danger, and you're just getting the reward of the synth. Um, so I, I, I might think that, yeah, partly kind of loading times in general are probably a, like longer than you would expect for a AAA shooter. But equally, yeah. I feel like the, the the swapping guns, and I feel like part of that might be a deliberate design choice. Well, I, yeah. I agree with the you know the penalty for going in and having to do it, but I do think that the loading times when you go into the menu are abnormal. They're, they're too they're, they're too long. Because um, when you went your your um, inventory and you only have two items in there, it, it loads up fast. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, they need to. It's something not quite right with the design of the game there. Yeah. But I do agree. Like going into menu to do some things makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree with that. Also, I just think you you're sometimes put in situations like if I want to pop a synth, I have to make sure I'm in a bubble of some form, you know, depending on the, on, on the, on the situation or I'm hiding somewhere because I just don't trust. And again, I get that, you know, design choice there. I understand that too, but 
even if I'm hiding or in a bubble, by the time I get to what I need to get to, there's every chance something has found me or the bubble has, has ended because it takes that long. Um, so for me personally, that's that's one of the main things I'd like to do. Um, the other thing, which I think you'll, you'll both agree with me, and I think everyone will agree on this, is, you know, storage uh, for loot. You know, how they're going to do that in Destiny 2, I don't know. I hope it's not kiosks because you can't keep your stuff in kiosks. You can re-get other stuff, you know, like find the same items, but at a different role potentially. So um, I really want them to find a good way, even if it's just a larger, uh, a, a larger, um, a larger storage space, you know, just 10 pages instead of three. Yeah. I think, you know, because I, I love how we have, these third-party applications where we can move things across from the vault into our inventory uh, or in, into our weapon slots and, and armor slots. I love that. That I actually really enjoy. And I think if they change the way that they handled uh, the storage for loot, that might change as well. So I'd rather they kept that but just had a bigger space. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think the... Um, this might not be exactly on point, but do you think... Regarding like the third party apps and, and the, the FG sites, so that's something that should have been in the game originally. Like, should we be needing to go out of the game, even if it's on a phone? Like, why can't they just make that in the game? Well, I think personally, it works better outside of the game um, because when I'm loading, I mean, you know, taking everything into consideration, loading screens, etc., taking a long time. But some of them do take a fair amount of time when you're flying, and I'm saying flying with, you know. Uh, speech marks that you can't see uh, because you're just watching your ship fly. But when you're flying from one destination to the other, and I think, oh, I want this weapon, or oh, I want this this exotic piece of armor, I can go into the app while the game is doing something, and I can make that change, and it still accepts it. So personally, mm-hmm. I prefer that. You know, if I had to go into the game and do it, there's going to be situations where you can't because the game needs to focus on something else. You know, the resources are being pulled towards something else, whereas with a third-party application, your resources are, you know, you, this, they're a separate, it's a separate set of resources that are helping you do this. And then one action on screen where you see something get traded across. Yeah. What, what do you think, James? How do you sort of stand on that? Um. Yeah, I, th- I think that, well, the, a big kind of topic of conversation just generally in the community is um, in-game matchmaking for um, raids Um, and while I feel like for Nightfalls I feel like there should be in-game matchmaking Um, I don't feel like that that content is so difficult and obviously there's only three players so I feel like that's that's kind of doable but in-game matchmaking for raids would just be more problematic in, in my opinion. Agreed. Um, Agreed. And I think that, yeah, I think you're, you're, you're going back to your points about Vault Space, I, yeah, I think that kiosks are probably not the answer, but they need to just look at another way of, because they can't just exponentially increase Vault Space every time there's more content. That's the, that's the problem. When, it, when, when every kind of content pack drops, Obviously, more items are introduced to the game, but you want to retain your old stuff. Um, 
And just going back to something that Nick said uh, a couple of minutes ago, I think that Destiny in terms of PvP could learn a lot from a game like Overwatch. Um, purely in terms of the frequency of the PvP updates that are pushed out to that game and just the balancing changes. Um, and something that I, I read about, uh, I'm sure someone mentioned on Reddit, is that it would be really good if Destiny had a like a community test environment, like Battlefield, or I think there's an equivalent for Overwatch. Um, just so patch patches could be tested and feedback given before it's put into the live environment. So when they've quite clearly made a mistake in buffing or nerfing a particular weapon, it's picked up before it's made live, and then you have to wait for a patch to revert the changes back to how they were previously. Um, I, I think that would be a pretty good idea. But I mean, what what do you guys think? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think you know we have had situations where things have happened and things have been changed, and everyone loses their their mind a bit about it. But that would be pretty much eradicated if that you know if they were to have these these environments where people could go in and test it first um you know obviously bungie do their own testing but there's nothing quite like consumer testing because yeah. these are the people who are playing the game nothing like the community the community if there's something wrong with the game the community will find it if there's something can be glitched or broken or cheated on like we will find yeah, it absolutely yes exactly so giving it to the community to play test yeah that would that would probably do the game a lot of favors as well obviously it's important the right the right people test the game um because there are a lot of people maybe like myself who will just be like this is fine because you know you fanboy over something and there'll be a lot of people who are overly critical um so you need to make sure that it, it's a tough one i can tell you from experience in working with different communities like uh as an example the the pez community is a very tough community to work within because there's a lot of different feedback and people want a lot of different things and to balance that and get what you know make everyone happy is pretty much impossible so i think it's important the right people are, are, are you know the right people are chosen for this and i'm sure bungie have ways of uh you know through through statistics etc to make sure the right people are are, are playing the, playing the game in this type of environment if this is something that they chose to do down the line mm, absolutely Okay, so that was what we wanted to see improved. Let's talk about what new features we'd want to see. That's kind of, you know, the the more exciting part of this discussion, I think. You know, like, what new things do you want to see in Destiny 2, Nick? Oh, I don't know. Like, I guess the kind of... I want it to admit that it's an MMO for stars. Like, it, it is one of those games. Um, even though they'll later say it wasn't, I think it is, and I think having some more depth in that area, um, I think the roles of the guns, stuff where you can really kind of characterise your your player and and find out new things that that players might not find um, straight away, just having that variation on the abilities and just a bit more deeper in that respect. I think I'd like to see that in there. Yeah, so definitely more towards the MMO side of things. And I mean, does that also include more, what's the word I would say, more depth in, in terms of 
so uh, sorry, like a larger scale. That's what I. That's what I mean. A larger scale is. Would you like to see that as well? Because obviously, MMOs stand for massive multi multiplayer online games, and Destiny at any one point seems to only have either twelve people. Uh, in fact, I think it's twelve people at all times because either, and I think it's that amount for the tower, and then that amount for PvP maximums. Do you want to see more people be, to be able to come in? Yeah, I mean, having, I mean, I think that was a dream initially, wasn't it, to have a big open world uh, where you could go to these instances rather than just load into them. Um, you know, if if I wanted to go to a crucible game on, on wherever, I could either I could travel there if I wanted to, like I'd get on my speed and I could just go there, or you could load it in if you wanted to kind of thing but i think having i don't know if that's feasible i don't know if that's going to be possible for what they want to do and where they want to go with it but i guess we'll see next week yeah i mean that does seem like a dream type of situation to be honest um to be able to just yeah jump on your sparrow or get in your ship and fly over to a specific planet or or different part of a map and then just join in to a crucible game almost like a public event uh, James, do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. I think, I think, um, yeah, a couple of things I noted down. One of them kind of relates quite closely to this. Is I think it would be really fun to do to have a, a six-player limit on patrols. Um, yeah, I think that would be really fun. Uh, I think, yeah, about maybe NPCs that you can kind of interact with out in the wild um so just roaming kind of exploring kind of the the different planets and environments um and i think that i would like new completely new subclasses um yeah. and i would like the subclasses to have a more kind of obvious clearly defined role and that kind of ties in to the kind of the hunter warlock and um titan so you've got titans as a support class and i feel like the subclasses should kind of tie more closely into that um sure and then a big problem with the game generally up until this point has been uh storytelling um and law within the game um and while the taking king helped address a lot of the story problems i still feel like there's a better way to incorporate in-game grimoire yeah it needs to be in the game i mean that's that's probably the number one thing they need to get this story stuff that's brilliant by the way like the grimoire is just so good um it's a shame that it's just not being presented to you in either cutscenes or, or even just being able to read this grimoire in game would be a good start. I think everything being on separate cards as well, it's a bit jarring. Um, you know, I think it takes a lot of work. It's a lot of YouTubers who go over the law, which makes it a lot easier for everyone. Um, but you know, uh, before this, you know, before YouTube, people just had to learn the game themselves. And if this was the case back then, before we had people who were willing to put this together. I think we'd have missed a lot of the, the great stuff, like you said, Nick, a lot of the great stuff that, that is there. When I mean, it goes back where everything, like even when I was saying earlier about the apps and the matchmaking and the LFG and the Grim One, it's just like this, all this stuff is made by the community. 
like this is part of the it should be part of the game in some some form or another. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, just just quickly going back to your point, James, on um, you know, completely new subclasses, um, for for the different types of uh, characters. I think you know with uh the traveler sort of being drained of its power, we're gonna see at least two of the subclasses completely go. Uh, that's my take on it. I think you're gonna we're gonna keep Night Stalker, uh Storm Trance. I don't think it's called Storm Trance. That's what I call it. Storm Caller, uh, thank you very much. And we're gonna keep um Stunbreaker. Because those are all natural powers gained through different means, right? So I think those will be kept, but then we're gonna have two at, again, at, at least two new subclasses. Um, I mean, who knows? Uh, it could a, potentially be more. A, from, from a purely selfish perspective, as a Titan main, I would rather keep Defender than Sunbreaker. <laughs> so, like, the best thing about Tether for me was the fact that it's such a good support class, and they didn't really like. Why, why not make a Titan more of a? Because I always thought it was going to be a tank. Like when I first started the game, I thought it, you know MMO kind of stuff. That's the guy that would take all, you soak up all the damage, you know, in a typical kind of MMO fashion. Um, but maybe something more like that as well. Maybe that's the kind of direction they'll take. Yeah. But whether that's a good thing or I mean, not, I don't know. Personally, I think it would be awesome if we started off. You know, we start off each of them with this one subclass each, right? So the ones that we gained in the Taken King, and then as time goes on and we get powers back depending on how the story goes. We gain completely brand new subclasses. Um, and then, what I personally think would be great for nostalgia's sake and for anyone who missed out on Destiny 1, is later on in the game, maybe through a DLC later down the line, we can potentially get back the other two subclasses that we lose. And we have five, you know, like a lo- so many different options there. I think personally that would be a lot of fun in that, it doesn't give it to us at the start. We have to, you know, sort of obey the, the the rules that they're giving us. But down the line, once we finish all the story and more for fun's sake, we have those old subclasses too. I, I think it would be quite... I can see the motivation behind doing that, but I feel like that would be lazy and that would be falling into a trap that Bungie has done already in the sense that they remove things from the game because they're unbalanced um, and then they reintroduce them or they just save content they just don't they don't bring the old raids back up to current light level when they should have done because they're keeping it back knowing that they're going to be short of content further ahead I think it would be quite interesting to give the player a choice um, so you have to choose one subclass from the three but that choice has some importance in the sense that you can't then change that or revert that. So you choose one of the three that you have an affinity with and that you enjoy the most, and then you just carry that one through. I think that'd be quite an interesting way of handling it. Yeah, that's a very kind of MMO trait as well, isn't it? Where you kind of become the healer and that's all you do. Like you have some powers and you can kill stuff, but essentially you have that role. And and yeah, and no, I wouldn't mind not necessarily more subclasses, but like I said earlier, more choice within that subclass to build a kind of character mm-hmm. that's different from a lot of people. Okay. So yeah, some some interesting ideas come out of that for sure. Um 
obviously everyone at Bungie is going to be listening to this. So take note, guys. And uh, we'll be waiting to see our names in the credit for Destiny 2. Um, <laughs> the final the final discussion point, uh, and possibly you know, the most important one really is is what are we actually expecting to see from the reveal event next week i know we're all really excited for it personally i cannot wait um as of recording we're just over a week away um yeah nick what is it what is it you're actually expecting to see from this reveal uh probably not a great deal i imagine it'll be something based around the beta and what they're going to give us to play eventually um, I don't think they'll show much more than that. Um, maybe some a bit of Crucible, just to you know, appease those kind of people, because there's obviously a lot of people play like live and die by Crucible stuff. Um, sure. But yeah, I don't think it'll be too much. Maybe, I mean, the first beta was just you kind of ran around the Cosmodrome a little bit, wasn't it? A lot of it was closed off. Um, was there a strike in the first beta? I can't remember if there was or not. A while ago now. I... I, uh, I, I, like I said, I came into this late, so I actually have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm um, not, I don't think there'll be a great deal. I reckon they'll, they'll show a little bit of the kind of open world stuff and probably some Crucible. I think that's what they'll go for. Okay. James, uh, you know, does that line up with what you're expecting or, or are, you, are you thinking anything different? I'm going to say something equally cringeworthy and kind of just copping out of, of the question. I have not thought about my expectations because not necessarily that I don't want to be disappointed but I'm just excited to see what they do um so I mean like the the I've gradually been kind of decreasing my playtime of destiny I mean the, the 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 revised raids kind of got me back into kind of raiding a bit and I was playing it a little bit more um but I think from kind of now onwards, I'm going to be kind of deliberately playing less of Destiny 1 just so that excitement and newness will be around when Destiny 2 is released. Um, and I'm going to try and not overexpose myself to gameplay footage and stuff just so... Because, you, you know, you can get kind of burnt out on games before they're even released sometimes. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. I think um, just on that note, sort of, you know, I mentioned earlier about my work with the PES community. In the same way, uh, you know, getting access to PES games previously, you know, for review, etc. I found myself literally having played the game so much before it's even released that by the time it's out, I'm almost done at least for, for, you know, like I need a break from it. I, you know, I don't know if that will be the case with Destiny in terms of, at least for us, I don't think we'll be getting review codes early. Um, but it's one of those things, I think you're 100% right. If you stock up on something too much um, beforehand, before you know the game's even out, I think it will be uh, less, not less enjoyable, but the buzz of it will definitely not be anywhere near as much as it would have been if you were to hold back a little bit, it's like watching a trailer to a film and the majority of the, of the film being in the trailer, when you actually watch the film, it's a, a little bit disappointing because you feel like you've already seen all the best bits. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like alien, Co- alien covenant. Yeah. 
I've seen that film just by watching the trailer. Yeah, exactly. I don't need to see the film because you've revealed everything that I wanted to know. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think for myself, you know, what am I expecting from this event? I'm actually expecting a lot. Um, yes, this is a Twitch stream, but it's also important to note that they are hosting an event for this. You know, this isn't in their office in, in their Twitch studio. This is in LA. This is an E3-esque type conference that they're doing um, where they're inviting people Activision down. To- rather than Bungie, isn't it? So that's, that's yeah. a whole different different setup. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And Call of Duty is something which I imagine will be similar to what we'll see from Destiny on the scale-wise. I mean, they, they did it pretty hard, didn't they? Yeah. Had a panel in. Yeah. So, so I'm expecting to see some good stuff. Um, I think you're right about the PvP content. Uh, I think there will definitely be some of that. It's the easiest way to show gameplay without giving away any story. Um, having said that, we do know the beginnings of the story, so I think there will be something, um, something for us to get our hands on there, even if it's just a video that they're going to show us. But um, I also expect to see it at least one new subclass um personally i I think they're going to go in big i think for an event like this they're not going to want to disappoint people um and you know depending on what your expectations are you might not be disappointed if they don't show too much but i think a lot of people are going into this extremely hyped up a lot of people are traveling to la for this event from all over the world so i think that for that to happen and for them to come and capture gameplay um i think it needs to be worth it Okay. Right. So those were our discussion points. We're going to take some questions now that we have got internally and some questions off of Twitter. Um, the first one, and this is, this is a nice one to start on. Um, what has been your personal highlight from destiny one? This has come from, uh, at Metali on Twitter. Uh, James, let's start with you. What, what was your personal highlight from destiny one? Um, a difficult question because I imagine it would be similar for, for both of you is that when you actually look at how much you play Destiny, it's hard to kind of quantify that amount in terms of actual gameplay. Like I'm you know, it's the kind of hundreds of of hours, but I would say I managed to get a Galahorn year one when it was at its peak of its opiness um <laughs> unbelievable from a blue engram no oh um, wow and if anyone was around in the year one uh engram economy that's like winning the lottery and then winning the lottery again next week because you, you like blue engrams would decrypt as green and legendary engrams would often decrypt as blue items that yeah. early on in the game. Um, so, so that was a kind of an incredible moment that I only realized how significant it was once I'd kind of realized that everyone was going mental about that gun. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Nick, what about you? What 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 stands out to be your personal highlight? Um I mean like like James has said, like so many hours have gone into pretty much everything in the game, you've kind of milked everything that's going. Um 
And although there was stuff that the story was lacking in, I probably my favourite parts of, of Destiny One was the kind of hidden stuff that had the overtones of that story, like the um, mm-hmm. Black Spindle quest or the Sleep Simulant. Um, obviously, yeah. Outbreak Prime was just just brilliant, and I hope I hope they do more of that in Destiny Two because I think I mean you only had to look on Twitch streams and Reddit when that stuff was going on, like the place like blew up. Mm. I mean, just so, yeah, good, so good to be around and all that kind of stuff and they've got perfect like creating a massive world is just the perfect opportunity to add that kind of hidden stuff um, and and finally doing those missions which was some really hard in fairness that black, black spindle one was rock hard yeah, when I first started um, so yeah no more of that stuff please awesome I think uh, mine it's very hard for me to put it down to one particular moment, but I could probably say as, as a, in a general thing, my, my personal highlight from destiny one is probably, um, like the fire teams meeting so many new people through this game and not just meeting new people, but reconnecting with old people. James will vouch for this and that James and I have gone to school together since we were very young children, but never have we been closer than when we started playing destiny. Um, and it's the same for, um, you know, a couple of other friends. And then in terms of meeting new people, uh, James has introduced me to someone through destiny that now, you know, as a whole, we're all very close to each other. And, I have the most fun playing the game when I'm doing raids or I'm doing trials, you know, with you guys uh, or all these other people that I've met. And for me, that is the best thing that I've taken away from this game. And it's one of the reasons why I love playing it. Um, I think it's such a great way to bring people together over a common interest. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Totally. Um, okay, moving on from that sentimental <laughs> job uh the next question it comes from it's a, it's a it, we've had this question from two people from uh at matali asked it as well but also at one size one uh who is uh matt who actually plays with us he asked um if we could take one primary one special and one heavy weapon into destiny 2 what would they be nick hit, hit me well my favorite gun in the entire game because i was really proud when i first got it was the uh, hawk moon I'd probably take that. That would be be definitely my my uh, primary weapon, or not the the AS Luna. Um, if I if I can have that exotic, if someone was being mean to me. But um, the, the special, um, I had a thousand yard stare, <laughs> which I've been using in year two, um, which I don't really get to use anymore because of Icebreaker and, and the way the kind of balancing has been done. Um, and and that was just really crispy. I love that gun. I just like it, I could hit stuff with it. Uh, so I'll take that with me. That would be my snipes. And for heavy, yeah, I'd, I'd probably take some like dragon breath. Like it seems ridiculous because like when is that useful for anything? Um, and that is a fun weapon. <laughs> yeah, it's super but fun. It like just seeing flames just like engulf wherever you've landed. That that shot is it just it's really good. And I liked what they did with the update where they they added the kind of napalm canisters. I think that's really cool. Really cool looking gun as well. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. James, what what would you be your picks? Um this is a difficult question because obviously as the meta changes, guns have different worth and, and whatever, but so in terms of primary, it would be a year one mm-hmm. hopscotch pilgrim. 
that I got as a drop from Prison of Elders, the, the, the chest that you open up in the treasure room. And they basically had to do a balance patch just to nerf that gun. Um, because it was a two-shot headshot, but it was medium impact and had a medium fire rate. So it was just an incredible gun. My KD jumped about three points because of it. Um, and that's... I feel like primaries need to be that strong again. That's the, completely off topic, but that kind of feeds into <laughs> why I, I like that, like why I remember that gun so fondly. Sure. Um, for secondary, uh, something that Nick will probably kind of know more so than you. Um, so year one fell winter's lie. Um, with with I'm feeling a bit of year one with, snobbery here. with 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 the shot package and rangefinder. <laughs> so 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 Nico to put it into context, do you think that shotguns were broken before they were nerfed? Um, year one, you could literally snipe people with shotguns, um, and there was a an Iron Banner shotgun um, called Felwinter's Lie, which had a perk called Shot Package, which they actually took out of the game because it was so broken. Um, which is probably wow, why you what, haven't heard of it. What, what did the perk do? Um, it just tightened the spread of your pellets. When you oh, right. Sure, sure, sure. So I think it was sort of like Rangefinder, but just even more OP. Um, so I just, I remember actually just wrecking people with it. Um, okay. And then in terms of heavy, I would actually say Sleeper Simulant. Just in terms yeah. of the design of the gun, mm-hmm. the the fact that it's so different, and the comic gold that inevitably occurs when someone kills himself with their own sleeper simulant shot. Yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. I think um, I can relate on the sleeper that was going to be one of my choices, or at least in the conversation. I think uh, primary-wise for myself, uh, I'm finding it very hard to pick one. Uh, I've been thinking about it while you guys have been talking, and I think I've got like two or three for each for each one. But, I mean, personally, uh, one of the best-looking guns and one of the most fun to use for me is... Uh, oh my god, as soon as I said that, I've forgotten its name. Outbreak Prime, thank you very much. Outbreak Prime, I think, is one of the... Uh, like I said, best looking, best designed weapons in the game, reminiscent of Sleeper Simulant. Um, and for me, it's, it's just one of the most fun to use as well. It hits like a tank. The nanites that swarm are out so much fun to see them kill people, finish them off. Um, now, is that the gun I take across with me? I'm not, I'm not sure. Because uh, the, other, the other gun that's in my mind right now is Hung Jury. Um, you know, the, the Dead Orbit Scout Rifle, which at one point was just so stupidly powerful. Um, you know, I, I was recommended it by a kid that I met on a patrol, <laughs> just taking out taken Zelots randomly. He, he said to me, oh, you should get this gun. And I, and I got it. I never really used it. And then one day when I, you know, was a bit more into the game and I was a bit more competent, I pulled it back out and, it just it just wrecks people. It just wrecks people. That's my technical term for the gun. It just wrecks people. Uh, it's so good. So actually, I think if I, if I had to choose between the two, I think I'd take across the hung jury. Um, 
and save, you know, if I'm thinking of it as a loadout, I'm saving my exotic slot for now. Um, special weapon, I'm about to use my exotic slot, and it's a trespasser. Um, such a fun gun to use. Uh, and, I, you know, the recent ornament changes as well. The uh, sort of, like, dark... Uh, like black and gold ornament is just stunning it just looks awesome and it and again another another weapon that kind of hits like a truck um and is just really really fun to use um heavy weapon wise this is where sleeper comes into conversation that's definitely there but if i was to consider that i've just used my exotic slot i'd have to go for the harrowed quillum's terminus um it's i have one on every character and it's not often i keep duplicate of weapons because of the space uh limitations but i have one on every character and it's just so much fun to use in pvp in pve uh it's just it just melts people um and also it was the first um one of the first raid weapons i ever got because king's fall was my first raid um and I absolutely it just has a lot of nostalgia value for me as as coming from the first raid that I completed. Yeah. The next question. The next question is also from uh, One Size One, our good friend Matt. He is, and th- and this is something I've had a lot of thoughts on before. He is asking, uh, Nick, let's start with you. Should trading between clan members be introduced in Destiny Two? Uh, I'm going to keep my eyes pretty short on this one. I'm going to say no. I don't think that should happen in any shape or form. I think it would just be mm. a, a bad idea for um, someone will find a way to abuse it. Like they, you know, whenever you give someone a bone, they'll just absolutely kind of tear it off your hand and take the rest of you. Mm. I don't think. I think actually when when they were making the game, like Blizzard just suggested to them not to do this after what they'd done um, with their game. So. Yeah, I don't. I, I, even if it was a good idea, I don't think we'll see it. James, do you have uh, do you have similar opinions? Different. Yeah, I would say on the balance of of it, I think there's probably a good decision not to include it, and that comes from someone that you know has would would understand the benefits of you know if someone has got this kind of repeat drop whenever they raid and you haven't got this weapon so why don't you just kind of kind of trade it I can understand why you'd want that to happen and and I can certainly personally relate to that but equally as Nick says there will be people in the community that will abuse and exploit it and use it to kind of power level characters and get around content and just exploit it. Um, so sure. I would say sure. because of that, no. It takes something special from it as well. I think like finding that gun finally, like it's, it's not the same if you just walk up to your clan member and say, oh, you've got a spare one of those, can I have it kind of thing? It's just going to be the same. Yeah. No, absolutely. I am, um, like I said at the beginning of this, I've had a lot of thoughts on this personally. Um, I think I've spoken to you, you James, about this quite a bit. Um, originally, I've... I had a very clear yes. I think there should be trading. Um, I think it should be confined to clan members only, uh, like the question asks. And I think that there should be a specific um, 
specification on when you can start training. As in, you need to have been in this clan for a month. You need to have played such and such number of strikes together, such and such number of raids, such and such numbers of PvP games um, to prove that you are, you know, active clan members together. That was sort of the requirements I sort of initially put up. And that was for trading anything, um, weapons, armor, anything. Now, you know, I, I, I do agree with what you just said, Nick, about that taking away that kind of special feeling when you finally do get that drop. You know, I was, um, from personal experience, I was desperately trying to get a burning eye recently and I was doing everything in my power to get it. Um, I was doing the quartermaster bounties for scout rifles. I was doing three, three, four bounties of trials per character every weekend to try and get this weapon. I couldn't get it. When I finally got it, I was so happy. Granted, I've not used it much since, but the feeling I had when I got it was, was it was, you know, like euphoric. It was a very happy feeling. So with that in mind, I, I do feel like we shouldn't take that away. Um, but I feel like trading materials uh, and inventory items, I think those would be beneficial. You know, if someone, say, doesn't have enough marks to go and buy uh, items, you know, assuming this is in Destiny 1, to go buy, um, you know, worm spore or spin metal, and, they, you know, they don't have time to go and farm it, if you were able to trade across those types of materials to your to your clan members in order for them to be able to upgrade armor and weapons, I feel like that would be beneficial. Modes of light, you know, um, what's a what's a good one? Uh, passage coins, you know, to be able to to transfer that type of stuff. So we're not giving everything away. You know, we're not making an economy really where you're you're saying, okay, well, I'm going to give you this god roll. Uh, is Luna, as an example, and you're going to give me a blue weapon, um, you know, where, where it's kind of unfair. Like, you're just training across uh, materials and inventory items. I feel like that would be a good thing to have to allow a form of flexibility and also to increase the this, you know, um, this reliant teamwork, essentially. That, that, would be, that would be my answer to that question, Matt. So I, I, hope, I hope that satisfies you <laughs> um the last question that we're going to cover today and um a very interesting question too and and, and uh, we shouldn't get caught up on it for too long because we've we've gone on for uh, quite a bit of time but this is from uh charles who is from ngb and i know that he's uh this is one of the reasons why he didn't stick with destiny but he's asking uh james will come to you first he is asking do you think more can be done to make the game engaging for solo players Um, that is a deep question. Um, it is as as someone who was playing solo for most of year one until obviously Nico, you got the game, and then I got kind of introduced to other people, and other mutual friends started playing the game. Um, yes, it. Yeah, the short answer is yes. Um, I'm not sure exactly how. Um, I think. I mean, I'm I'm just gonna do. I've just remembered something off the top of my head that I meant to mention, just in terms of 
generally about Destiny 1 and Destiny 2. They need to get rid of Three of Coins. <laughs> I'm just saying it. That ruined exotics for year two and year three. And that doesn't answer the question, but I'll hand over to Nick now. <laughs> Not at all. But, yeah. It is one, isn't it? I think it comes back to the, the matchmaking side of things. Like, there's so much stuff in the game where you shouldn't have to, in my opinion anyway, leave the game to find a party for. Um, the only two modes, in my opinion, that should, should not have matchmaking is raids and trials. Like everything else in the game, you should be able to just pick up players. Like They, they made these big social areas um, in the game, and it's really hard in those areas to kind of find people to do. Like You should be able to flag yourself saying, you know, I want to do this activity and go into your menu you can see all the people that want to do that and just join on them. Like, it's stuff like that that I think would be easier for solo players because, like you were saying earlier about meeting new people, um, not everyone wants to go out of the game to do that. Um, yeah. So I think to make it more engaging, aside from the Grim Wild, which we've mentioned, and the story stuff, which needs to be a lot better, um, it's probably just the kind of matchmaking stuff I think would benefit a lot. Yeah, no, I agree. I think improved matchmaking for things like raids, um, not in-game matchmaking as in you click on a raid and it finds you five other people, but, um, I, you know, before... So so I have a little story in, in a sense of I bought Destiny um, relatively in year one. I bought it in year one and then I traded it in a week later. And when I think about that now, I find it crazy. But that was before I knew anyone else who was playing it. As a solo player, which I was before Destiny, I only ever played games by myself. I never played online. I was never in parties. I only ever played games solo. I did not enjoy this game. And when I came back to it, and the only reason I came back to it is because a friend, a mutual friend of James and, and myself asked me to get it again and said, play online with us. That was when I actually enjoyed the game. And I, I do think that the social aspect of Destiny is a massive reason why people enjoy it. Um, I think if you are playing it alone, the improved matchmaking needs to be available in order to, to help with that. But I, I, I really do feel that, I, you know, if you're, if you're going at Destiny by yourself, it's just not as enjoyable. It's not, it's not like you're going to hate it, but it's, no, it's nowhere near as enjoyable as if you're actually with people who, who you, can, you can play with. I don't know, what, what, do you guys, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, James, you agree with that as well? Um, yeah, definitely. I think that the kind of fundamentals of Destiny, you know, the, the sound design the art design, the levels, like as a AAA game, you will have like a degree of fun playing it on your own, but to truly get the most out of Destiny and to have the most memorable gaming experiences, um, you definitely need a fire team and a fire team of, of friends that you kind of either clan mates or, or people that you get on with and, and, and regularly raid with or whatever it may be. But in those situations, the game is at its most fun. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Alright guys, we are going to call time on the first edition of the Destination Destiny podcast. Um, we've been running for just over an hour, so I feel like this is a natural conclusion. Um, thank you both. Uh, Nick, obviously, as my co-host, you will be leading us next time, but thank you for being here. No worries, no problem. Nick, tell the people where they can find you online. Uh, that'll be at Twitter, at NickJH82. Awesome. And a very special thank you to our guest, James, today, who has popped his podcast virginity. James, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, guys. It's been, uh, it's been a great laugh. Awesome. And where's the best place for people to find you if you have a social media presence? Um, people can follow me at Jambo, spelled J-A-M-B-O underscore 30, which is three zero. And uh, I retweet mainly kind of football memes, uh, just kind of viral internet stuff. Um, you can find me on, uh, what am I? Nico DiMaria underscore, I believe it is. If it's not that, then tough luck. But that is all, we, all the time we've got. Um, don't forget, guys, subscribe to the podcast and you can check out all future Destination Destiny content and general gaming content on nextgengamingblog.com. See you next time.